0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, for Tuesday, July 28th. My name is Javier Reyes, as always, your host of this here Lockdown Padres Podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, if you feel so inclined. Only if you feel so inclined. Hit me up on there uh, with any questions you might have, comments or concerns, as well as the Gmail, which is LockdownPadres at gmail.com. And I might just answer those questions. I might just be a nice guy and do that. How nice of a guy am I to be able to answer your questions, guys? It's almost like that's exactly what every other podcast host in the world does, that they have a mailbag, you know? Uh, But anyway, uh, if you guys couldn't tell, I'm in a really great mood. You know why? Because we just completed our first series of actual baseball this weekend against the Dimebacks, and guess what? I'm going solo! That's right, I know you guys are kind of used to me having a guest on for the past, like I don't know, like three weeks, I feel like, at this point. I feel like it's been a really long time since I've done a podcast that was just me, so we'll see how that goes. But um, I just want to do like kind of a check and give my thoughts on this uh, D-backs Padres series, and a lot of them positive. First of all, I just want to say, just as a general kind of thing, it was so much fun to have baseball back. I mean, there's been so much controversy with uh, the the plan to start back and all that stuff, and I've talked about how I feel really uh, nervous about it, and I know that there's been this weird, I think warped, delusional, just far-fetched and just incorrect and false I don't know how many different uh synonyms I can name without uh really nailing the point perfectly but just this narrative that uh people in sports that are that they seemingly want everything to be canceled and I just want to address that really quickly and be like uh I I think I feel like that I was pretty um lukewarm when I was talking about it on on my version of it right I thought I was pretty uh confident in saying that no, I don't want sports canceled. I love baseball. I want it back. But I just think in the grand scheme of things, yes, if I feel like more people are going to be safe, yes, then I feel like we should really take that into consideration and not, you know, uh, laugh and mock any of the people that are are that way. Just because I am worried about the health and safety issues with bringing him back baseball, or many other people, and that I feel like maybe canceling the season might be the correct course of action. Maybe, I don't know for sure, but it might be the correct course, and I do not disparage people who think otherwise. That doesn't make me any less a baseball fan. And also, it doesn't make you a more of a baseball fan or sports fan, basketball, football, whatever, if you're like, we got to play through it, man. That's what people do. It's like, no, it, that's, that's not how that works. So uh, not to get all preachy at the beginning of this. I know this is going to be a positive podcast, but I just wanted to get that out of my system a little bit. Um, but let's talk about it, man. Having the team back, because, you know, as you guys have ridiculed me in the reviews for before, um, I'm not like a diehard Ultra Padres fan. I did not grow up with this team. You know what I mean? I only started following them a little bit more like three or four years ago ago, When I met one of my really good friends who was on the podcast early on, man, that was a long time ago is what's crazy about that, right? Uh, it was such a long time ago that I had him on, but he's from San Diego. And ever since I, I met him, I started to just kind of keep them in the back of my mind. And then a few years ago, I started to be like, you know what? I, I like this team, man. And I, I'm not, I'm not feeling so great about my Yankees anymore. You know what I mean? For a bunch of reasons that are equally as preachy as the opening of this podcast that I won't get into right now because, you know, I don't don't want to get too political for the reasons I don't like the Yankees uh, as much as I used to. Still got love for them, but anyway, that's the usual thing, right? And it was really fun to be able to watch this team that is not only like my team now, but also this team that the better they do, like the more that helps me. So of course I'm going to be rooting for them. I felt like I was watching a playoff game. I was so excited. My bet with Millard, uh, and you guys should go listen to, uh, by the time you hear this, uh, Lockdown Diamondbacks will be up and I was on his show to talk about the series and our bet and how I made him change his profile icon to Fernando Tatis, uh, junior. It was awesome. You guys should go check that out. Um, It was just so satisfying in a lot of ways to be able to watch a team and a new team that I'm getting into again. It was just, it was so great, man. And now, let's just talk about each game individually. So, game one, all right? Game one is the Sheriff, and he makes his appearance, and man, I was amped. Also because I had him on my fantasy team, but I was amped to see him, and believe it or not, guys, I'm going to say this. I thought Paddock looked good, quite good at times, but not... Chris Paddock, lion tattoo, the power of the force, you know what I mean, that, that, that incredible, you know, just four strikeouts, but also just one walk, which was a really good sign, um, especially since it was a really long at bat, the one walk that he did give up, it was like a, a super long at bat, it wasn't like he was missing pitches and threw four straight balls, you know what I mean, I forgot who it was that he walked exactly, but uh, like that's 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 a good sign. Um, that he it was it was a, a struggling at bat and the guy was fighting off all these foul pitches right must have drove paddock insane based on how competitive that guy is as, as we all um, are familiar with and bottom line though he didn't give up any like really big hits he only gave up like one to Cattell Marte and that that you know Cattell Marte is really good I think. Uh, I know his last year was just this ultimate out of nowhere kind of breakout, but I do think that guy is pretty good He was the only one throughout the entire series that actually kind of made me nervous Um, But the majority the big thing is no big hits or runs Really great uh, showing for him. And also, just like, you know, as, as another thing with Paddock, I thought it was uh, interesting also because you also consider he only threw 81 pitches, maybe could have gotten another inning. That is also especially exciting. Um, with only 81 pitches, what he did, that's a huge plus. Um, and then next, my other biggest thing is, I mean... Isn't it hilarious that I literally just posted a double-feature podcast <laughs> called The Roast of Eric Hosmer, and who, game one of your boy, Javier Reyes, covering this team and watching this team, right? Who's the one that's the hero of the game? It's Eric Hosmer. Of course, he has two bases-clearing doubles. I mean, and six RBIs in his game. I don't even think it was necessarily the best piece of hitting I've ever seen or whatnot. The launch angle was all fine. The exit velocity, all the stats that they were sure that was fine. But it's almost like it made sense for the karma to strike me almost like he listened to this podcast before and he knew I need to show up to, to tell this schmuck from New Jersey who likes the team, you know, to can it, you know what I mean? So that was just super enjoyable. And I think that, Uh, It only made sense. It only made sense in a lot of ways. Um, He did make me cringe in the first couple innings, and I did tweet this, which was mean, which is about how, like, they weren't the worst plays defensively, but it just made me think that a better defender could have made those plays. Like, there was a couple ground balls to him that kind of bounced off of him and others, you know, that I was really like, ah, man, like, those are kind of tough plays, but I can't help but think, man, if we really had, like, a a better defensive first baseman, especially uh, with the one... Uh, how much money we're paying a Hosmer that man, those plays could have been made. So it was a little bit frustrating to watch. I know some people (laughs) on Twitter were, were roasting him for that too. Uh, A little bit more meaner than I was. Eh, Actually, I don't even think they were as mean uh, as I was on the Padres Twitter account. Um, and it was it was really cool. It was actually uh, this is a stat that I got from Kevin Ac of the San Diego Tribune. Friday marked the first time in fifty two opening days that a Padres player had driven in that many runs, and the first time since twenty ten that anyone in the major leagues had six RBIs on opening day. That's how historic kind of and how uh, really surprising Eric Hosmer's opening day was. You know what I mean? It was it was really just nuts. He was the hero. Straight up, he was the hero. I love Grisham, too. Grisham drove in the RBI, which was great also. Um, Grisham, I'm super high on. Um, And just in terms of some other things, Grisham batting towards the bottom of the order, I was surprised that, but I assume, you know, that's a lefties and righties split thing. I assume he's going to be higher in the order. But even still, I was still surprised that he was ninth. I figured that, all right, maybe against, you know, lefties and whatnot, maybe he's going to bat, you know, sixth, right? But I was surprised that he bat ninth, and Jay Stingler, you know, probably going to experiment with the lineup just a little bit more, especially with when it comes to some of the bench players who we'll get into in a second with Olivares and, and uh, Josh Naylor and what have you, right? And Jake Cronenworth, who... Yes, Taylor Blake Ward and Daniel Epstein, your boy, he came through. It was really great to see that. Uh, that was in the uh, game three, uh, the only game they lost, unfortunately, in the series. But that was really cool. And um, another one of my things that I took away from the first game, uh, one of the last things, is um, Drew Pomeranz looked really awesome. Actually, I would say that of all the relievers this Uh, Series Pomeranz, I think, looked the most solid. He was locating all of his pitches, everything. He had the heat on the ball. And it's cool because that guy is really, you know, he struggled as a starting pitcher, and that part of his career seems to have uh, kind of – Exited, you know what I mean? It looks like that part is gone. It looks like he's not going to be a starting pitcher. But as a, a reliever, his numbers were awesome last year. There are so many awesome numbers out there. I was reading some stuff in the Tribune. Some of the like highest K rates didn't walk really anybody when he was switched to the bullpen last year. And they bring him back. He is a reliever, and I think that that's the best place for him. So that was really encouraging. Um, and also, I really enjoyed, by the way, I tweeted about this too, uh, Jerkson Profar, I didn't realize the way he t- – takes pitches it's just incredible like he he avoids pitches like they're the plague and like he almost got shot like he's like whoa like he dodges out of the way it's so much fun watching that guy play and I really love seeing uh how excited he was when he scored on that um Hosmer double especially the first one like they were so amped they were so excited you could feel the energy of this Padres team you really you really could and I'm not just saying that because they happen to be winning you know what I mean I really think that you could feel it it's It's, it's, you can taste it. You can taste the energy, you know, of this Padres team. It was so much fun uh, to watch. Uh, And that's really the big thing with game one. And then game two, of course, to even more spite me, I've been ripping on Will Myers, I feel like, for a majority of the run of this podcast now, like 86 episodes in, like months now, right? That That Will Myers is kind of a liability, not a great right fielder and why. And. Well, I do think that the the latter act part of that statement, the outfielder defensively, I think he's got a decent arm maybe, but in terms of his fielding, I mean, he scared me. That line out where he had to jump and kind of like stop himself in midair and like reach backwards, I was like, wow, that was such a routine fly ball that he almost goofed there. Like that just shows you, yeah, Will Myers is going to be one of those guys that I assume they're trying to bat mostly DH, especially with the money that he's getting paid. Uh, now that the DH is in both leagues really awesome. Um, I'm pro DH in both leagues. I've talked about this before, and it's really kind of cool that, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about that. I imagine they're going to be cycling through a lot of guys in the outfield. Grisham and Pham are both for sure. Um, Pham, actually, I remember at one point, he didn't make the the best tracking on a ball either, which I was a little bit surprised by. He, he went and kind of died for it. Um, it was okay. Didn't end up leading to too much, but in one of the games that happened. Um, but yeah, I think that that is also because uh, it's it's hard to say whether or not the the Potters have a real real true center fielder. I don't think Grisham and Fam are necessarily that, so that kind of brings some issues there. But it was great to see Will Myers smacked that two run home run in the game to kind of give them the lead. It was so so good. It was in the seventh inning, bottom seventh inning, uh, so clutch. You know what I mean? And then Machado, of course, he hits his two-run home run later on to kind of seal the deal and win the game, which was great to see because Machado, I think, um, in a lot of ways, and I remember um, 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 Kevin Acey when he was on the podcast. I know I've been referencing him a lot today. That's just because I think he's just such a great uh, Padres insider, among many, many others from Gennaro and uh, Casavalo. There's so many great guys that I, I get my information from, but I really think he was great. And he talked about how Machado was very upset with his season last year. And I, th- I really get that. I think that guy really wants to, and now this is pure speculation. I do not have the stats or the source of the back that's up, but I really think he was probably uh, disappointed in how the Padres performed last year and that he wants to be better, and he can be better. Last year he was not bad. He just was bad by his standards. You know, still had those 30 home runs. 260 average isn't bad, but the on-base wasn't great. Didn't drive in as many runs. Wasn't as clutch as we kind of needed him to be. A lot of those, this is a lazy thing to say, but uh, a lot of those home runs that feel like they don't count, you know, you're already down by seven runs, that type of thing. Um, And I really think that he's really kind of primed and excited to kind of have that bounce back season he didn't have the he wasn't the hero of the series at all I'd say that the hero of the series is probably uh Eric Hosmer you know what I mean I mean he's the one who who gets that game tying home run in game three which was great right and then he he has the he basically single-handedly wins uh game one with us with the six RBIs I'd say he was one of the heroes of the series and I'd say just the starting pitching right now let's talk about that Already talked about Paddock and how solid he looked, but not spectacular. But he didn't walk anybody. And he I think part of it, I, I mentioned this too, I think he was nervous at the beginning. I think he, he literally, like I think they showed in the broadcast, like he was like yelling in the glove and then he ran out onto the field and he was pumped, right? I think he was ready, but I think he was a little nervous, a little bit too, uh, expecting a little bit too much and trying to just force things maybe, but he was still good. That's what's crazy. Even when I think that Paddock wasn't at his absolute best, man, I've had so much energy this podcast. I feel like Chris Paddock right now. Um, He was still pretty great, right? I think he was still pretty great. And then to Nelson Lament, who I've been telling everybody, uh, don't sleep on, you know, he was uh, fantastic. You know what I mean? He was great, didn't give up any runs, had some nice strikeouts, right? He was really great to watch, and I think he low-key makes the Padres. I think a lot of people don't realize that he's one of those potential breakout sleeper guys, you know. He goes 80 pitches, by the way, um, Does only gives up one earned run, uh, five hits, and six – or I'm sorry, eight strikeouts, my mistake. He had eight strikeouts and just one walk. The Ks are there, man. This is a guy that can strike out people, and I think people should not be sleeping on him. I know I have him on my fantasy teams. I'm certainly not. And by all accounts, he's really recovered from the surgery and that he's kind of back better than ever. So if he can really be that solid number two or even – I'm not saying he's going to be just as good as Paddock, but if he can be like that, and then if he can, that that'll really just kind of make the rotation, I think, as a whole, be a lot more deep than people suggest. I also really liked watching Trent Grisham during the series. He takes pitches. He did strike out seven of fourteen at bats, which isn't great, but I still felt like he was. Uh, he clearly shows that he's not. He wasn't chasing anything. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like he was chasing really bad pitches throughout the series. And he managed to get on base in every single game. And he did have that one shot to, to right field in uh, game four, which was really great. It wasn't like the biggest home run in the world, but it was in the beginning of the game. Awesome to see uh, Grisham one of the the guys that I'm keeping an eye on along with Lamette and many others for sure. Uh, But before we get into kind of games three and four and some of the negative things that I thought kind of happened from this first series about Arizona, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about CBDMD. That's right. It doesn't matter if you're a pro athlete like Mr. Denelson Lamette or Chris Paddock or Manny Machado or Will Myers or Eric Osmer, whoever you want to bring up Fernando Tatis, whatever, right? Or a stay-at-home parent or a schmuck like moi that spends eight hours a day writing articles and whatnot and, and recording this here podcast, you need support. It's really important whether it's support from any, any kind of support really. But CBDMD, they're here to give you the amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge whenever life gets chaotic. And they've got two big major things that I want to talk to you guys about. That's CBD Freeze with Menthol, which is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief from muscles and joints in a convenient and easy to roller or shareable squeeze tube, and CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like R-A-N-I-C-A and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need when it matters most, and to make it even easier. How crazy is that? Whoa! They're making it easy, easier for you because if you want to try this amazing duo and topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're giving our listeners 25% off. That's right. That's the offer. They're offering our listeners 25% off. It's crazy. For your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. So once again, one more time, that's CBDMD.com promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD or oil products from cbdmd.com that's what i wanted to talk to you guys about really quickly and just one more sponsor and then we're going to talk about guys a really important thing you know what that important thing is it's games three and four just like promise and i promise we'll talk about fredero tatis you got to talk about it. i mean come on it's you got to you just got to and that's right, we're back everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, talking the opening series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. it was super fun, I am so energized, I feel like I've done pretty good uh, going solo for the first time in a few weeks honestly, I hope you guys think it's a good podcast, I've had a lot of energy because it's so exciting how much they won, but I have to admit, with as exciting the series was, man, game 3 was crushing, and it wasn't... You know, I I think the the big hope, right, of Game 3 of the series is the only uh, game that they end up losing, but I think that, you know, on paper, it's something that shouldn't technically be happening, right? And that's that both Emilio Pagan and Kirby Yates really struggle. I mean, ugh. Guys, I was losing my mind because do you know how badly I wanted to tweet and to brag about how, you know, me covering the Padres and they're the only undefeated team in baseball? That's right. If they won that game, game three, they would have been the only undefeated team in baseball. Do you know how much I wanted to brag about that? Hey, I guess you can't win them all, right, guys? You can't you can't have it all. It's just they right when you think you're going to. And I think what was interesting about game three is I feel like some people would complain that Tingler, uh, Jace Tingler, took out uh, Garrett Richards too early, right? And I actually think that you can make that argument more so for Lament and Paddock, because those guys, especially with Paddock, um, Garrett Richards, he has a health history, right? He's been—it's been well-documented how good he can be when he is healthy. He was the ace of that Angel staff for years and really forced to carry them, I think, uh, almost unfairly to him um, for years, I think, in a lot of ways. And he is just coming off of that surgery. So when you take him out after five innings with only 73 pitches, he was dealing, only give up one hit. He did walk three, which wasn't great, and he struck out six, which was nice. And at 73 pitches, yeah, I get it. I get why some people can be frustrated, and it was frustrating. I thought he was great. I thought with the walks... Yeah, they're kind of making counts and whatnot, but nobody's able to hit him. You know what I mean? No one was able to really locate his pitches and really put a a big bat on the ball. So I was a little bit sad to see, you know, um, uh, Gary Richards leave the game. But I also kind of understand it. Yes, it's 73 pitches, but maybe Tingler's thinking, look, I don't want to force this too much. He's doing good right now. The health issues. This isn't this. This isn't an Iron Man. This isn't CC Sabathia in his prime, where you could just leave in there for nine innings, no matter what, right? So I I get that by Tingler, and although on the surface level of just seeing seventy three pitches and how much he was dealing, you know, no earned runs, a whip of .8, right? Uh, I think that I it's it's defensible. You know what I mean? I don't want to get on Tingler too much for that. But I do want to get on the rest of the bullpen, and that's Emilio Pagan and Kirby Yates, arguably with the exception of Pomeranz, the two best guys in the bullpen. And it's really just sad because this is who we trade Emmanuel Margot for, the kind of surefire starting center fielder for the team. And we trade him for Pagan, and Pagan ends up going one inning. He gives up two hits and two earned runs, and with a walk on one of them, he doesn't strike out anybody that was just not good, man. And he didn't look great. He looked great for a second. I was like, oh, yeah, he's throwing heat, right? And then he wasn't great. So that was really disappointing to watch. It was just that's what was so freshening about the game. Yes, there were times when the offense had its moments. Tatis struck out at a key point. That wasn't great. But and Josh Naylor looked kind of like a mess, by the way. We haven't really uh, talked about him. He struck out. He looked really bad. He made an error trying to run to second base. It was just a lot of mistakes, in that game, and I'm pretty sure Will Myers gets picked off, like, what are you doing, man, it's just, or I think Will Myers was was game four, I, full disclosure, I missed a little bit of game four, guys, I missed a little bit of game four, I was working, had a little bit of an emergency that I had to uh, take care of, but, you know, it just felt like the Padres made so many mistakes in game three, and it was really discouraging to see it a lot of ways, but still, You know, I don't want to get on them. I don't want to get on Jace Tingler too much because if I'm him, if I look at it objectively, and I'm like, "Hey, 73 pitches are super injured guy. He's been so good today. Let me leave him with that confidence." And yes, I do believe in that stuff, guys. I do believe that this all is it just numbers and whatnot. Maybe he's thinking, "Let me leave him out on on a high note and be like, let's give it to our bullpen, which on paper is one of the best in baseball." Not his fault that Pagan comes out and just you know stinks it up and ends up allowing the game to be tied. And then of course. Kirby Yates. He only goes point two innings. He gives up the two hits. He does get the one strikeout, but he walks a A couple guys and gives up the two runs that was so so miserable to watch and I was I was just so sad man you know I was just like dang it this close to having a funny tweet about how you know uh, we get this moment right and it sticks because also Eric Hosmer hits a home run in this game in the third inning off Zach Gallen. and Zach Gallen, by the way I tweeted this before too I know I've been plugging my Twitter account a lot but that guy is so annoying to pitch he threw over to check out a Grisham in that first inning I think it was the first inning. Like 8 times. Like don't get me wrong, I know Grisham's got some speed, but I mean, he tried to he threw over to first so many times and just a, a random um uh quick aside is I really love when I don't know if this happened and I don't think one of the check He checked down so many times that I maybe this could have happened, but I love when the guy is still at first base. Like, like, literally right next to first base, and the pitcher goes and checks on him, and the batter barely, like, moves. It's just one of those, like, unintentional, hilarious comedy moments in baseball that I appreciate a lot. But anyway, uh, moving on. So yeah, game three, not great. They did almost come back. They did almost come back, which was the crazy thing. You know, you have Grisham, who gets on base as usual. Uh, Machado, unfortunately, struck out again with the clutch thing, and just really wanting Machado to have kind of one of those moments. Um... And then Fam, I mean, Fam was getting robbed left and right that game. That's what it felt like. I mean, I thought Fam hit a home run at one point, right? I thought he really knocked it out of the park, and then they make an unbelievable play with, with Calhoun just leaps over and gets that. So that was really unlucky. And then Jake Cronenworth, who I talked about with uh, Mr. Dan Epstein. Um, and Taylor Blake Ward and, and Jake Masciani, if you guys remember the early days of the podcast as well. Uh, just everyone's high on this guy. And he just smokes one, uh, a double to right field, and which allows Christian to score. And it makes me think, oh, man, oh, man, Will Myers coming up. Maybe, maybe he's going to make me spite my words yet again. And then he gets caught on, like, a check swing, which is an extremely Will Myers You know, bad player move to possibly happen. That was really disappointing. Um, But in general, I don't want to read too much into it because I still don't want. I don't want to immediately assume. That Pagan uh, is a bust and that Kirby Yates is going to regress dramatically, right? I don't want to make those kind of assumptions. I think you can assume Kirby Yates won't have necessarily a 1.73 again or whatever it was that his ERA was. But uh, I don't want to assume that this is an Edwin Diaz or or even worse, a Craig Kimbrell situation if you guys were watching the game last night. Um, And then game four, just to quickly touch on that. What else is there to say, man? Fernando Tatis, man. Joey Lucchesi did not look great in that game. And, I, I you know, he's kind of not uh, necessarily an all-star pitcher. Uh, he's definitely the back-of-the-rotation kind of guy. Um, but still, you know, only giving up two. And the bullpen was a lot better in that game. They didn't blow the game open by any stretch with Cal Quantrill kind of looking pretty decent in the 1.1 that he ended up pitching. He struck out a guy... Looking forward to him, I think he might be one of those next guys up type of guys if maybe something, God forbid, happens to someone in the rotation. And then Perdomo looked really great with two strikeouts and a walk. Um, that's And then I didn't get to see all the rest of the pitching um, with Stammon, who I did not get to see, um, and some of the other things. I didn't get to see everything entirely, so my fault on that, guys. But Oliveres looked great. And, of course, the bases clearing triple from Fernando Tatis. That might not have been played so great defensively by... Starley Marte, who some of the numbers suggest he's regressing a bit as a defender, um, he kind of really just looked like he misjudged that ball. It wasn't like a, it wasn't that smoke that hard, you know what I mean? It looked like something that was supposed to be a double, but all the runs scored, bust the game like kind of wide open basically, and it was awesome. You love to see it, man. You just love to see it. I mentioned the Trent Grisham homer, that was awesome off of uh, Luke Weaver and just the Ferdinand Tassi's thing and um, Greg Garcia was another one with his single um, really great game overall I think that's what's so exciting about the series guys is overall uh, the Padres lineup and this is what one of my big takeaways is the Padres lineup is different that I am buying this isn't some team that you know uh, is is, is going to regress dramatically I think that when you add Grisham and when you have some other guys like Cronenworth maybe and Oliveras even um, and Garcia like The big thing with the Padres is on-base percentage. That is the biggest thing with the Padres right now. And so far, they're taking pitches. They're looking at things. And, yeah, you could say, oh, Machado, he usually doesn't do that. And some of these other guys usually don't do that. But bottom line is they added Grisham historically, like, throughout his whole career, a big on-base guy. Takes a lot of pitches at every level that he's played. And then you get... Um, Tatis back and then you trade for Tommy Pham just by virtue of having those guys on your team the on-base percentage is probably or at least I should say you can hope that it's going to go up if they can continue with that man the Padres I'm telling you guys in a 60 game season especially they could uh they could be a little fun they could be interesting and I'm really expecting uh, some bigger things with them especially considering that they expanded the playoff uh kind of um group to 16 teams so you know so wow you know uh, who knows, guys? So really excited for this giant series. I talked to Ben Kaspik, uh, and we're going to talk about that uh, kind of tomorrow. I'm going to post that for you guys, and I'm also going to give my recap of tonight's game. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, guys. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts wherever, right? Follow the show or myself on Twitter. Follow all the Lockdown MLB podcasts. Go check out Lockdown Max That'll probably be on, Um, you know, me and Millard both collectively kind of uh, gushing about being excited about baseball being back. That'll be up by the time you guys listen to this. And then tomorrow, like I said, the chat with Ben. And then probably doing a chat with Jenna Garcia for the Rockies. It's fun, man. Baseball's back. And of course... Until next time, until these next times in these podcasts, stay safe. And of course, of course, of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.